Today, President Trump's explosive coronavirus press briefing yesterday. Also, House Democrats won't reopen Congress until May 4th, absent an emergency. Huh, an emergency, not anything that's going on right now. Also, Joe Biden finally gets the endorsement he's not been waiting for. He swears he has not been waiting for it. We have got all that and much more coming up, and it starts right now. Welcome to the news and why it matters. I am Sarah Gonzalez today joined in studio by Stu Bergier, host of Stu Does America. That's twice in a row. I'll have you know that is like way more than you've done in the pla- in the past two months. So uh, to very, what do we owe the pleasure? Very expendable. Uh, they that is, I catch something. That yeah. is to what we owe the pleasure, obviously. Also, we are joined uh, remotely by Steve Dace, host of the Steve Dace Show, which is also on Blaze TV. Steve, you are uh, you are not a newbie to the show, but this is your first time via remote over at your set. So it's good to have you back. Indeed, we're taking social distancing uh, <laughs> to an extreme uh, vantage point here. Yes, I'm, I'm like six, uh, six thousand, six hundred thousand feet away. I mean, you never, you never can be too careful, right? You mm. never can be too careful. Uh, we got a lot to get into. And Let's- the new CDC guidelines say that these things can now travel six hundred thousand feet. So <laughs> make sure to sanitize the screen after we're done. The, yes. sad, the sad part is, it's that's like it probably not the onion piece, right? Like that, that could be true. I'm not sure. Uh, so let's talk about the uh, the President Trump press briefing from yesterday. I'm really tired of talking all the doom and gloom, and mm-hmm. I want to get into something fun. So so President Trump, first of all, it was, how long was it? It was over two hours. I heard it was over I two hours. I did not hang out the whole, you know, it was the Lord of the Rings of press conferences. <laughs> <laughs> Which is the problem with these daily press briefings is they get to be uh, they get to be a little cumbersome for people to watch. Steve, did you watch it by chance? I don't watch any of them. I do follow them every day on social media, though. Yeah. The, the various egos and personas are so grating to me that <laughs> it clouds my judgment. So I have to watch from afar. Well, and I can't I mean, it's like, I, yeah, you're you're stuck at home, but. With us, with families, you're stuck at home, but you're certainly not doing nothing, especially at that time. It's like, you got to get dinner ready. You got to take care of the kids. I don't have two two hours to sit down and watch a press briefing, but it got pretty explosive, pretty heated. Uh, President Trump, you know, he's in the wake of being attacked every single day by the mainstream media, asking him the same stupid questions. And I get it, but really the questions are ridiculous. It's the same gotcha questions that they, you know, they try to make him look like he hasn't done enough. Uh, so he decided to uh, to walk out on stage and tell everyone he was going to dim the lights and show them a uh, just a nice little video for the, for the members of the press to watch, which should have been their first clue that they were about to... Uh, get their little feelings hurt. But here's a little bit of what President Trump's little supercut video looked like. Watch. How worried should Americans be about coronavirus? Coronavirus is not going to cause a major issue in the United States. <laughs> well, we've asked them to accelerate whatever they're doing in terms of a vaccine. We will be suspending all travel from Europe to the United States for the next 30 days. To unleash the full power of the federal government in this effort today, I am officially declaring a national emergency. Medicare patients can now visit any doctor by phone or video conference at no additional cost. The first one million masks will be available immediately. (laughs) 
<laughs> Pause like a PowerPoint. As there were more cases, <laughs> and it was clear that it was spreading out of China, where it originated. The president took this move that he was widely criticized for by Democrats and even some Republicans at the time, which was he halted a number of flights from China into the U.S. At the end of the day, it was probably effective because it did actually take a pretty aggressive measure against the spread of the virus. (laughs) The production could be elevated a little, I got to say. His team is on it. They've been responsive late at night, early in the morning, uh, and they've uh, thus far been doing everything that they can do. And I want to say thank you. And I want to say that I appreciate it. He returns calls. He reaches out. uh, He's been proactive. Uh, We got that mercy ship down here in Los Angeles. That was directly because he sent it down here. So a couple different portions of that. There was, of course, the beginning, which we couldn't play all of it because we don't have time to play all of it. It's just President Trump showing all of the, the members of the mainstream media completely downplaying the virus, saying the flu was more to be worried about. I mean, everything that they're accusing him of doing, he showed them doing it themselves. Then he showed a timeline of what he did and all of the action that he took, followed by uh, all of these governors praising him and saying he was responsive. He did take action. He has been working with us. Uh, Steve, I'll let you take first stab at this. What are your thoughts on the video that President Trump showed and uh, the mainstream media reaction afterward? Sarah, I thought the entire M.O. of yesterday's press conference was a masterpiece uh, tactically. (laughs) I thought it was strategically brilliant because if you look at where this battle is going to go next, um, the you know, this the battle for this over this virus is going to end at the end of this month, I believe. Mm -hmm. In May, the battle is going to be about uh, the process of opening up the country. Uh, The media is going to demand that we stay shut long enough for them to label him Herbert Hoover and blame him for the Great Depression they urged him to cause. And then you're going to have Democratic governors. Well, I don't know if we can open if it's safe. Translation, I'm trying to audition to either be Joe Biden's running mate or the future Democrat nominee. And then you're going to have big government types in both parties angling for more bailouts. Mm -hmm. And I think the president demonstrated yesterday he understands this. He fired a preemptive shot across the media's bow, attacking their integrity right away, blindsiding them with it uh, in order to undermine their ability, their their credibility to then try to undermine him for urging the country to reopen here soon. Uh, so we undermined them there. Uh, he then made Anthony Fauci essentially come hither. Mm-hmm. He starts the morning off by tweeting, uh, fire Fauci. Then I, I just tweet stuff. I just tweet stuff. <laughs> and, you know, Anthony Fauci was forced to confront, hey, if I really want to be William McClellan to his Abraham Lincoln, He's he's more shameless. Do I want to get tro- trolled by by Donald Trump? And the answer in the end for Anthony Fauci was, no, I don't. So I'll step to the podium and point out that he's the boss and not me. I thought yesterday was the was one of the best days that he's had in terms of game planning where the country needs to go in the future, and gave me confidence that he is he is at least aware and if not able to fight the battle that's going to come about reopening the country. Mm, Still. I think Steve's totally right on on the, where this direction is going. I think, uh, you know, that is the, the, where the debate goes from here. Um, You know, it's a very strange tactic, right? To play a 15 minute video. It seemed like uh, in the middle of a press conference, but 
if he didn't do it that way, it wouldn't have been covered, right? This is why people are exactly. seeing it. It was so out of the ordinary that this is why people are noticing it. Um, uh, you know, my, I think my favorite part was in the middle, he plays that Maggie Haberman quote. Yeah. And Maggie Haberman goes back and forth between his favorite reporter and his least favorite reporter in the entire world. <laughs> um, and, uh, it, it, like, I listened to that. I played that on, on, on Stu Does America as well. And it is a great clip. And I, I actually thought it was really a notable moment in that it helps the mainstream media when they do things like that, when they admit the obvious, when they actually acknowledge that they were wrong about something, when every, you know, hey, he was getting criticism. It was unfair. Here's the truth. However, that that clip, that 30 second clip is sandwiched in about 40 minutes of nonstop criticism, which he pulled 30 seconds out of the middle from the source he was criticizing at the time, the New York Times. Uh, So he has a he has a he has a way of doing things that's uh, quite interesting. The media does deserve uh, this. And and, and I think like there is a time in which going back and, uh, you know, really taking a microscope to every action Donald Trump took between, you know, mid-February and mid-March is going to be valuable. That time is not now, right? Like, the time is not now. We need to figure out what we're going to do next, how we're going to get the country open. We need to make sure that we have all the things that we need uh, for to fight any outbreaks that might occur as we do try to open. We need to have a plan and get all these things ready. Like, the time to... to we have plenty of time before November to, uh, to go back and forth and litigate whatever two-week period they're obsessed with constantly. That's not what these briefings should be about. These briefings are supposed to be about what is going on now and what's going on in the future. And the press constantly wants to direct it back to the past to a time, as the president clearly identified there, that they were making all of the same comments, all of the same mistakes. A medical expert after medical expert was trotted out and saying the same types of things. So, I mean, it really I think I think he handled it well. Um, it, he did enca- encapsulate. I, I do think two hours is too long. <laughs> I got to be clear about that. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I think overall he handled it pretty well and highlighted the, the types of, of, of real hypocrisy that have been going on over the past couple of months. Yeah. Uh, Steve, you mentioned Fauci, who, of course, has been under a great amount of criticism. I know there was some confusion about uh, the comments that he made uh, about his phrasing of pushback. And this is kind of a perfect example of what President Trump was trying to prove, the point that he was trying to prove whenever he played this clip of the mainstream media, uh, you know, constantly downplaying the virus and then trying to to ask President Trump these gotcha questions. Paula Reed with uh, CBS News, she went on with uh, Anthony Fauci and she asked, you know, she's engaging in a back and forth with him, trying to find out, you know, his phrasing of the term pushback and uh, why he was using that. And the question that she ends up asking him is just like mind-numbingly stupid. Uh, Gentlemen, want to get your thoughts on that. Here is what uh, Paula Reed and Anthony Fauci exchanged yesterday. You said there was pushback. Where did that pushback come from? No, it wasn't. And that was the wrong choice of words. You know what it was when people discuss, not necessarily in front of the president, when people discuss, they say, well, you know, this is going to have maybe a harmful effect on this or on that. So it was a poor choice of words. There wasn't anybody saying, no, you shouldn't do that. Are you doing this voluntarily or did no, the president... No, I'm doing it. I, <laughs> everything I do is voluntarily, please. Don't even imply that. Are you doing this voluntarily or do you have an invisible gun? <laughs> In front of your head right now, blink twice if the answer is yes, Dr. Fauci. Steve, what in the hell was that? <laughs> I, I think that there's there's two competing forces here and that at, at their worst, both the media and the president lack 
um, cosmic levels of self-awareness. But here's the difference. <laughs> the, the, the president, while lacking self-awareness, can cut my taxes. Yeah. The president, while lacking self-awareness, can help me make sure I've got a job, feed my family, keep my borders secure, meaning he, he can still and is, seems willing to do affirmative things for me, even if and when at times he makes me roll my eyes, cover my eyes when I read his Twitter feed or, or put him <laughs> on mute so that I don't, okay? All the media seems to do is just remind me of their lack of self-awareness while they lie to me, while they give me fake news, while they push their narrative, while they do their their, their perpetual get out the vote effort, meaning that there's there's no trade-off here. Mm -hmm. I, I don't get anything out of that relationship with them. Um, just 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 all negatives, and I think that's why the president tends to win every time he clashes with them, because as 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 many people don't like or don't trust him, next to them he's Augustine. <laughs> I would tend to agree with that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's uh, you get nothing out of that, and that's that's the thing. I think the media is constantly trying to make it about them, yeah. what fights he's having with what, what media member, um, and that back and forth is is there's occasional part of me, and this and part, this comes from Trump too. I mean, I think Trump does this a lot too. He likes to make that he likes that battle. Um, there's a part of me that that every once in a while views a bit of a return to normalcy out of it. And there's like, a, you know, every once in a while I might smile at that back and forth. But generally speaking, this is not a time to make this stuff about you. This is a time to make mm -hmm. this about everyone else. Yeah. We've got tens of millions of people who are unemployed. We've got tens of thousands of people who are dying. Like these are really terrible, you know, these are terrible things we're dealing with. And I, I don't think it helps the president to draw this sort of back and forth media thing um, and he's got to he's got to defend himself, and I think there is a line there. But to constantly be doing it all the time, I don't think it benefits him. But I get nothing out of it from the media side. Like I, the media is supposed to be there to serve the viewers uh, and the listeners, so they can understand these issues better. They don't get anything out of this. They don't get anything out of uh, of of these back and forths about how mean the president is to them or not. We know who Donald Trump is. We know this is his part of his mo. You know, if I'm in that room and I want to actually get answers on things I think are important, the first thing I'm going to do is ignore that video and not ask one question about it. Obviously, Trump mm -hmm. wants you to talk about that video. Obviously, he wants that to be the big deal. I would completely ignore it. Who cares? It's a video he put up there. People will watch it if they want to. Move on to something that you actually feel is important. Uh, they don't do that because they want to be on the stage. They want. They all want to be. There's a little bit of Jim Acosta in all of them. They do want to be the story yeah. for sure. I mean, and I and I watched. Her, go ahead. Go ahead, Steve. Can I just add a quick thing yeah, to that? Yeah, please, please. Because I think Stu, Stu's making a fantastic point. Just to show you, just to further reinforce, Stu, what you just said. If they really wanted to trip him up, if they really were interested more so in, hey, we don't trust this guy, so let's expose him and get the real story, as opposed to, we have to expose him our way with our narrative and fit this square peg into this round hole no matter what. Here's what they would do. Instead of just bringing the same political reporters up there every single day to ask the same questions, they'd go get their medical experts who hate Trump just as much, but would start asking questions about herd immunity and, and why we're ignoring mm. competing sta st uh, studies at Stanford, Oxford, you know, podunk, JUCOs, like 
like Carnegie Mellon? How are you sure that you're, what you guys are doing is correct? They would, they would actually go get like liberally biased or left-wing biased medical experts, but who were also subject matter experts and really put them on the defensive with their questioning. Instead, they send the same hack, hacked activists up there every single day to ask the same questions and engage in the same sophomoric tactics all the time. And that just goes to show you they're just not serious. Yeah, I mean, amen to that. Uh, coming up next, a study was done. What do Americans fear more, coronavirus or the collapsing economy? You'll never guess. We'll get into that next. First, we want to thank our sponsor, Freedom Product, Freedom Project Education. Uh, normally, when we talk about Freedom Project Academy, it's because parents want to protect their children from left-wing propaganda and indoctrination. But uh, now we're all faced with this same problem of school districts that are closing down because of coronavirus. And uh, we're all stuck at home with our kids. We're like, I did not sign up for this homeschooling business. And uh, it's not for me. If you are that person, well, you have a new reason to consider an accredited online education from Freedom Project Academy. Now you can do this from the comfort and safety of your home, but it's not you. Your children are receiving an accredited classical online education built on Judeo-Christian values. It's for students K through 12. It's completely interactive, educational, and they attend live classes with students across the country. And here's, here's the, big, the big thing here that you need to take away from this. They are teaching your students, your children, how to think, not what to think, which is completely the opposite of all of these school districts across America. Now is the time. If you are like this home school thing is not for me, I'm about to jump off a bridge. Don't do that. Instead, go to freedomforschool.com. That is freedomforschool.com. Request your free information packet today. Uh, by the way, enrollment had just started whenever coronavirus hit. Classes started filling up way more quickly than normal because obviously parents are concerned for the safety of their children. You got to go there as soon as possible. You go to freedomforschool.com. Get that informational packet today, freedomforschool.com. All right, 538 uh, just recently did a, uh, a poll, a study on what Americans fear more at this point in time, uh, coronavirus, getting sick from it, or the collapsing economy. Now, I want to talk about this along with what's going on in Raleigh, North Carolina right now. Um, Steve, I know I saw you tweet about it, so I know that you have been watching it as well. Um, I looked at what was going on before we came uh, here to the table for the show and was stunned at uh, what is going on in Raleigh. So I want to get to that because I think it is an important uh, point to bring into this. But uh, 538 said that 38.8% of Americans are, quote, very worried that they or someone in their family will get the coronavirus, become infected with it. Uh, and another 36.3% say they are somewhat worried that they or someone in their family will become infected uh, compared to if you look at who is com who is worried about the economy and the downfall of the economy, 86.9% uh, say they are, quote, very, 
worried about the economy uh, or somewhat worried about the economy. And a total of just 12% say that they are not very worried or not at all worried. I think those people are just completely not paying attention uh, to what is going on around them. So congratulations for being an ostrich with your head stuck in the sand. But uh, Steve, I know that you have you have been on this. You have been uh, what I consider um, reasonably skeptical of the information that we're using, you know, the models that we're using, uh, the backup that we perhaps don't have uh, to, to cite when you're talking about shutting down economies, you're talking about shutting down a global economy. Um, does this surprise you at all? I feel like the, the obvious answer is no, but um, you know, there are a lot of Americans now who are, they're, they're tired of sitting on their couches and they're not concerned about coronavirus anymore. They're concerned about their paychecks. What do you think? I'm not surprised. I am surprised 538 uh, told us this. Yeah. But I am at least at least this early in the debate. But I am not surprised at those numbers. And I think a couple of things to consider is is there's been almost no media focus on those larger socioeconomic mm -hmm. questions compared to panic porn that we're peddling. Mm -hmm. So I think that's something to keep in mind when you look at those numbers, which then uh, brings up point number two here. It just goes to show really how outside of one particularly particular group of people in America, and they apparently are all the people that voted on Super Tuesday a month ago. All right. So outside of all the people that voted for Joe Biden on Super Tuesday under the marching orders given to them by the Democratic Party and the media working, um, not coincidentally, in concert outside of those people, the rest of America, they simply just don't have much uh they don't resonate with them much credibility with them they don't speak for them they're 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 in their own bubble not to mention 88% of america lives outside of detroit um, outside of New York City, outside of Chicago, outside of LA, Seattle, which are really the, if, if, unless you live in those communities, the only thing you know about this virus right now in the rest of America is that it's likely costing you or somebody you know your job and your ability to leave your house. That's all you know about it unless you live in one of those other five or six cities. And one of the things I said all along to my audience, Sarah, is this, this debate was going to pivot on this question. It's not so much what are hospital, what's going on at hospitals in New York, L.A., Seattle. Those places are never voting for Donald Trump anyway. Mm -hmm. it, it's what's going to go on in hospitals in Birmingham, Alabama, Wichita, Kansas, Des Moines, Iowa, Greenville, South Carolina. All right, these are top 100 markets in America where there are a lot of people that vote for Donald Trump there. If they're seeing their hospitals overrun, then they're going to have one particular view of this issue. And if they're not, they're going to have the other. And they're not. So they have the other. Yeah. Uh, Steve brings up a great point, especially about the hospitals. I was actually just at my local hospital for uh, my pregnancy checkup and it completely empty. I mean, deserted. Now, that didn't stop them from almost not letting my child in with me, which where else is he going to go because I can't take him to school. But we had to do the masks. We had to do the hand sanitizer. I'm happy to go with the flow on that. It was completely empty. No one was there. It's hard when you're seeing all of this economic devastation and you walk into the hospitals and you're like, for what? What are we doing all of this for? Yeah, I keep telling my kids, don't get hurt now because I'm not bringing you to the hospital. <laughs> Screw it. I don't want anywhere near the place. Um, you know, there is a, uh, there's a situation here where uh, there is a 
there's you know there's there's been interesting conversation about you know and speculation and people disagreeing with each other on the side of how bad COVID's going to be. There hasn't been much difference, I don't think, when it comes to how bad the economy is going to be. Yeah. The economy's going to suck, and that's why this has to be a short-term situation. Um, you know, look, we can't do this for very long. This is not, you know, the economy is not built to just shut down. It's not a thing. Um, so, you know, look, you know, if it, let's say it was the worst thing in the world, um, you know, and, and we had, you know, it was it was 10 times worse than it is. It still is a it, there's there's a limited amount of time you can do this. If, if we bought ourselves a little bit of time to build up the supplies needed and, and get everything, you know, learn a little bit more and see how these other countries have progressed. And maybe we can learn something about how to fight this off in the places where, it, you know, there are outbreaks or whatever, if, if, it, if it if it comes up later. That's valuable. I don't, you know, it's, it's, it's a very expensive price tag on that, um, which is, it's, it's hard to deal with. And I think you're right in that we've seen, you know, New York is really bad. Detroit's really bad. It looks like New Orleans is going to be pretty bad. There's, there's, there are big cities, especially with high population density areas that have been hit really hard by this. But most people, as Steve points out, aren't in those areas. Yeah. So it's hard to, I mean, they have empathy for people who are going through this. And, and, and you know, it's a... It's brutal. It's, I mean, this is, we've seen, we've, these, a lot of these stories are brutal. They are out there, and it's tough. But, you know, it's not a, it's, the media tries to keep framing this as if you care about the economy opening up at any point, you just want to kill old people. Right. And, and it's like, aren't we adults here? Like, we all recognize at some point. No. Ha- no, apparently not. <laughs> no, we're not. <laughs> apparently not. We have to do this at some point. This conversation has to happen. We all understand there are trade-offs with every economic policy. So let's be adults. Let's step to the table. Try to understand the best way to do this that limits, uh, you know, the destruction as far as human life goes, obviously, but also allows the civilization to continue. Because if it doesn't, there are no medical cures for the next mm-hmm. coronavirus thing that breaks out, not to mention every other disease we're already dealing with. Yeah. Uh, Steve, I, I have a just a hunch that you may have something that you may want to add to that. <laughs> yes. First of all, <laughs> I didn't know that you were pregnant. So congratulations. Thank you. Wow. Thank you. That's very cool. Thank okay. you. It's, it's, so a, it's an interesting sure I, I experience uh, during a pandemic. I'll tell you that. I'm also pregnant. I should point out. I, <laughs> well, one of the things, the stories that came out today is, is the Mayo Clinic is cutting back staff mm. and doing layoffs. So... If we're literally saying that the Mayo Clinic folks is non-essential, just stop and take a deep breath and understand we're saying the Mayo Clinic is non-essential. What in the Sam Hill are we doing here? It doesn't make any sense. They've set up these field hospitals all over the country. Several of them, several of them, they've already closed in Knoxville, Denver. The one in Seattle, the one of the original hot hot zones for this, didn't see a single patient. They built it and tore it down in the span of the same week. Mm. I mean, this is this is just. And why are we not surprised that the people who gave us the DMV and Obamacare may not be totally prepared to run the entire country? All right. So <laughs> what we need to do is ultimately, if you want all this infrastructure, as Stu said, you know, you, now we've got more ventilators and we know what to do with suddenly. So we're giving into other countries, but we don't we don't have ventilator trees. And in Michigan, you guys, you can't plant those anyway. We don't have surgical mask, you know, plants. These <laughs> things have to be manufactured by the multi-millions. And guess who's got to go and do that? A lot of the people currently sitting on their couches. At some point, 
you know, we, we have to get on with real life. And I'll just throw this in here too. A hundred years ago during the Spanish flu, you know, cause I'm a big sports guy, as you guys know, I went and looked at how the sports world was impacted because we're talking about canceling a football season five months away and everything mm-hmm. else. Folks, every, every world series game between the Red Sox and the Cubs in 1918 and the Red Sox had a promising young pitcher named Babe Ruth on that team. Every one of those seven games sold out, even though players on teams were dying of Spanish flu. Wow. Fans were dying of Spanish flu. Life still went on. We still industrialized the nation. We won two world wars. We, I mean, you can't just shut life down. We didn't do it for Spanish flu and polio. And I don't care if you have the most apocalyptic notion of the data. This isn't going to come close to a Spanish flu or a polio. And yet, look what those generations still understood that mortality meant that life had to be lived all the more. Not that you hid out and you and you lived in fear, but that because it was finite, you've got a limited amount of time to to maximize your God-given potential and make a mark, you know, here on this earth. Don't just sit on your couch. Our reaction to this has been all wrong. Yeah, I could not agree more there. Um, And I want to talk about when we come back from the break, I want to get into, uh, again, what's going on in Raleigh and how that kind of plays into. Americans are done. They're done sitting on their couches. They're worried about the economy. They want to get back to work. Uh, First, we want to thank our sponsor, Omega XL. I just recently had a phone call with uh, Dr. McQuillan, uh, who works over at Omega XL. This is a natural supplement designed to reduce joint pain and inflammation. Uh, Inflammation, uh, as a lot of you know if you are health conscious like myself inflammation is the root cause for a lot of different ailments that you have Uh, maybe you wake up in the morning and you're like oh my gosh i can't move my back well what did you do i don't know i slept and now i'm in pain Uh, so left untreated inflammation can cause permanent damage you may be trying you know pain relievers topical creams they don't really treat the problem they just mask it omega xl goes right to the inflammation it's backed by 30 years of research it is a powerful natural supplement it helps reduce pain due to inflammation while it promotes healthy joints and increased mobility there is nothing like it in the world right now staying healthy is on everyone's mind so here's another reason to take omega xl research actually shows that it can pro- promote a healthy immune response You got to have a good immune system right now. I don't feel like I even need to tell you that the the obviousness of that is clear. Here's a special offer to get you started. Order now. Get your second bottle for free. Go to OmegaXL.com slash news. That is OmegaXL.com slash news. I want to talk about uh, what's going on in Raleigh, North Carolina. So there was a reopen North Carolina protest there. Uh, Raleigh police, don't worry, everyone. They were on the case. They tweeted out the series of tweets that they are now uh, under harsh criticism for. We are aware of the reopen North Carolina protest that is occurring in downtown Raleigh. Uh, We're monitoring the situation. They later came out and said, you know, don't worry, we've shut it down. And there was at least one arrest made that we know. Now, there were particular people who were like, so what is the violation here? What are they doing wrong? Uh, to which the police responded, well, this is section one and three of the executive order from the governor that they violated. And oh, also, by the way, protesting is a non-essential activity. We'll have none of that here, okay? Uh, Steve, I feel like there are a couple issues with like this really, really old document that was written a long time ago that is there to protect rights like these. 
Yeah, and I, it, it, does it say anything about speech, uh, assembly, <laughs> anything? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I seem to yeah. recall that. It sounds a little familiar. And I, this phrase, we hold these truths to be, <laughs> that's the next something. line. It'll, it'll come something. to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. Something or something. You know, somebody asked Joe Biden. I'm sure he remembers. Um, you know but the thing. What? Yeah, the thing, indeed. What what you're seeing here, this is the second time North Carolina has had this, by the way. They had a situation where uh, where David Benham uh, got uh, arrested uh, for uh, doing a, a Planned right. Parenthood protest on a sidewalk while being, uh, you know, socially distanced. You had Greenville, Mississippi, where police without wearing masks were going around handing out tickets for people going to a drive through church service. Uh, you had uh, Louisville, Kentucky, where, you know, they were put nails down in parking lots and said they were going to forcibly quarantine you if you showed up to church. And I, I think there's two points that our audience needs to be uh, needs to be aware of with this. Number one, look at the places I just mentioned. Kentucky, Mississippi, North Carolina, heart of the Bible Belt, yeah. deep red states. If this can go on, and this is not just, you know, the, the People's Republic of California, folks. If this can go on in Greenville, Mississippi, there's no suburb, exurb, red state where you live, okay? Uh, no Bible Belt state where you live where this could not happen to you. That's number one, to keep that in mind. And then number two, always remember that tyrants need local bureaucracy to carry out their edicts. The Supreme Court can come up with any with any wickedness from the pagan bowels of their depraved minds they want. It's going to take somebody on a local level to carry it out and say, yeah, I think it's a great idea. Let's mar- let's go ahead and let, let you shoot everybody named Sarah Gonzalez because the Supreme Court voted five to four. It was okay. <laughs> some governor mayor was is going to have to say, some police, some police apparatus is going to have to carry that out. And the same thing is true here. The governor of Kentucky, the new Democrat governor there, can be the God-hater, he, all the God-hater he wants to be, but it was going to require some local law enforcement to say you know what we're just following orders Mm. and it appears that that phrase which has had uh, some some tragic moments in history in other eras and in other countries has tragically made its way to our country in this era Mm. steve is not wrong there it's certainly something i've continue to say on the show is, you know, you guys are are begging for this. Are you really going to want it when it comes to your doorstep and you've got this overreach of government? It's certainly not going to go away Mm -hmm. once the coronavirus does, Stu. Yeah, and first of all, I want to say I'm on the the fence on the Sarah Gonzalez edict. Uh, I don't know. I could go either way at this point. I'll see how the rest of the show goes. Um, I think uh, there's a a situation here where, let's just take it from their perspective for a second. Let's just say, let's just say, like, let's take all the best, the best ideas. The best, uh, the best assumptions of what they're trying to do. They really believe this is really dangerous. They really believe you can't do this. They really need you to co- cooperate uh, for this short amount of time until we can get this thing turned on. We'll just accept that for a second. The worst thing you can do is enforce nonsensical regulations that piss everybody off. Right. Like this is mm-hmm. just going to make people want to push back. It's going to make people angry. You're mm-hmm. not letting me go to church on Easter. We're trying here. Mm-hmm. You know, generally speaking, the, the American people have said, look, this is making us really uncomfortable. We're all losing our jobs. But I mean, OK, I, I, we'll, we'll try this for a while because, you know, we, we really want to make sure people live like that's a great instinct out of people as part of this as, in that, like the intent there is really good. And people generally have followed it. You do this from the government level and say, you know what, you can't go out, you can't play catch with your kid in a park. Like, this is just asinine, right? And, and you're just going to, if you want people to go along willingly and do these things, you're just making that much more difficult for them to, to accept 
Um, and, and in the end, it's going to wind up uh, it's going to wind up hurting whatever effort they're trying to do here anyway. Not to mention, it's entirely unconstitutional in about a thousand different ways, which is a minor thing. It was this document. I think you guys were mentioning. Yeah, it's really old, though. Yeah, really. It's dusty. It's yeah, dusty. I don't think it we is. listen anymore. I've heard it's a living, breathing yeah. document, though. So we just make these modifications <laughs> because, Steve, obviously uh, it says in there, I think that there's it's a little asterisk and it says, <laughs> Unless there is a uh, an upper respiratory <laughs> virus, and then all of this can just be thrown off to the side. Have you seen the asterisk? I, I have. I think it's right there next to the separation of church and state, actually. <laughs> yes. Um, but if, if look at the language they're using. I mean, you see these clips, your rights are suspended. You, you noted in the tweet, uh, this is not, protesting is non-essential. One of my favorites is the guy on the train in Philly not wearing a mask, yelling about a guy not wearing a mask as the police, several of them not wearing a mask, violently drag him off of the train, okay? <laughs> I mean, this is, here's the thing. At some point, this virus is going to come and go. But the precedent of the tyranny that we said, that the, the petty, gross tyranny that we said we would tolerate in order to fight, to, to fight it, the precedents we have set, those will remain. And a lot of things have been revealed. You're getting an idea right now that a major political party in America, even when it rarely wins gubernatorial races in southern red states, it, it really isn't so much concerned about the spread of the virus as much as it's concerned about the spread of the gospel and the message preached at those churches. And you're seeing that where the bake the cake bigot instinct, where when we dial this, ours goes up to 11, when we spinal tap bake the cake bigot, it comes down to, you know, let's just put let's just put nails in your parking lot so we flatten all of your tires. You're, a lot of things are being revealed this month, and as a former president's uh, once uh, erstwhile pastor once said, a lot of chickens right now are coming home to roost. Mm, could not have uh, put it better myself. Uh, coming up next, Joe Biden. He finally gets that coveted endorsement. Does it even matter though at this point? Is it even worth it? We'll get into that when we come back. Over a week now, it's been since Joe Biden clinched the nomination. We assume, right, uh, barring something crazy going on at the convention. Uh, Bernie Sanders dropped out and it's been crickets from Barack Obama this whole time, former President Barack Obama. Finally, Barack Obama came out today endorsing Joe Biden. He said he's so proud to endorse, endorse Joe Biden for president. Choosing Joe to be his vice president was one of the best decisions he ever made and he became a close friend. Joe has all the qualities we need in a president right now, uh, which is interesting because he didn't endorse him before and he had already picked him to be his vice president like a long time ago. But now that we're sure that he's the last man standing, Stu, he is he is really proud, really proud oh, to endorse yeah. Joe Biden. Yeah, you know, we have a system here where we basically award the presidential nominee a one-man election in which they are able to choose whoever they want in the, in the entire country who is the most qualified person that should lead the country. God forbid they something happens to the president of the United States or they step down for whatever reason. He chose Joe Biden in that moment, right? Mm -hmm. The fact that he waited until after... Everyone else in the Democratic Party has now you know, left the race um, shows, I think, either 
he really uh, did not pick him because he thought he was the best candidate or, or the best person to run the country, or he saw something behind the scenes that we didn't see and maybe do see a little bit too often in his public appearances where he's just not capable of doing the job. And he was hoping the American people and the Democratic Party would pick somebody else so he didn't have to go through with this. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, there's some rumors and reporting that he was helping behind the scenes. I, I tend to think that that's coming from the Obama camp. It seems to happen every single time Joe Biden wins at something. All of a sudden, we find out that Barack Obama was mysteriously behind it the whole time. Um, I don't know that I believe that reporting. It seems to me that, you know, look, it was a disingenuous pick as vice president if he didn't come out and endorse the guy on day one. He didn't do that. It would have helped tremendously to Biden then. It means nothing now. Yeah. Um, and honestly, Joe Biden specifically asked him not to do it right. uh, if you believe Joe Biden. So I, I think it's a jerk move. I mean, the guy's not a friend at all. <laughs> Steve, what do you think? <laughs> jerk move? <laughs> I think you can accuse Barack Obama of a lot of things, but um, a lack of self-awareness is not one of them. Mm. Uh, he he understands how to command a room. He understands how to control uh, a political situation, turn it to his advantage. He's a very gifted politician. That's why we struggled to beat him for eight years. And so I'm I'm big in giving respect to your enemy when, when he, he or she has earned it or your opponent. And so when you look at the chain of events here, so essentially when he got done watching NBA Horse, <laughs> and after Bernie Sanders got done lighting fire to his own revolution, to which he's now getting uh, hung in effigy on social media, after all of this, after all of these contests, uh, after all these delays, and in the middle of a pandemic, finally Barack Obama was like, I'll believe, whatever, dude. All right, let's get this over with. All right. I mean, the only thing that would have made this better is if he had done this at like 549 Eastern time on a Friday. All right. I mean, and, and just and then forgot to delete Friday news dump from the email subject line. I mean, this is he might as well. He might as well have said, Joe, let's just be friends. I mean, this is this is one of the most passive aggressive um, this listen, I, I remember being on the cruise campaign when we needed Mike Pence's endorsement in Indiana, and he went on the radio and talked for a half an hour about how great Tr Donald Trump was, and then said, "And that's why I'm endorsing Ted Cruz for president." <laughs> I know what terrible milk toast endorsements look like, okay? And it looks a lot like this. That's what it looks like. Steve, you you just totally told on yourself. You were watching the horse uh, competitions that have been televised, haven't you? I I didn't. Okay. I, I you know what I will. I will watch some NBA Finals game from 35 years ago long before I watch a bunch of dudes play horse in their driveway. Well, not, I'm not that desperate yet, but I may be able to get there if this goes on much longer. I mean, I uh, legitimate, true story. I walked into my living room uh, the other night. I guess it was last night, night before last. And my husband has this on and it's like a split screen of two people in there. Like you said, it's literally it's two people in their driveways playing horse and i'm like what are you watching turn it there has to be some rerun on that's better than this crap oh, we're so desperate for sports right now i mean this is like the time you'd want them i would distract myself with sports out of talking about covid19 as much as humanly possible <laughs> if it was available this is why the nfl draft is saving me a little bit at least i can sit here and obsess mm -hmm. about who's going to get picked because yeah. the only thing i actually care about at this well you get the you know you got the pandemic and you got the nfl draft that's about where i am right now and i'm, I'm really leaning draft at this point <laughs> all right we'll be back in a minute <laughs> oh, that's tough it's tough to do this about sports it this really is the is. time we need it most now oh brutal that is really interesting
All right, yesterday's poll question. How do you feel about Dr. Fauci's performance during this pandemic? Uh, let's see, 57% of you said, I'm concerned. 13% said, I trust him. Apparently, 30% of you didn't really care enough to pick one, uh, similar to Stu yesterday, <laughs> like and that. just wanted the results. Could you please stop giving them? Don't give them a just show me the results option. <laughs> That's a total cop-out. I want to know if you're concerned. Do you trust him? Uh, today's poll, how do you feel about Trump's fiery response to reporters at yesterday's press briefing. All right, gentlemen, I got to get your answers on this. So how do you feel about Trump's fiery response to reporters at yesterday's press briefing? I loved it. I hated it or mixed reaction. Steve, I think we we know you. You called it a masterpiece, right? So you loved it. Yeah, I don't think you can do that every day. But in that in that moment, it absolutely was a masterpiece. So I loved it. OK, still. Um, I would say just show me the results. Um, no, that's, no. Not, that's, okay. not, a, that's <laughs> not an option here. <laughs> no, I would say pro- I, I probably would lead to the actual mixed reaction. Like, I think you're, I think Steve's right. It was, a, it was a good performance. He pulled that off well. But I am a little tired of that back and forth. Uh, you know, I think, you know, as, as Steve points out, like, I could deal with it once in a while, right? Like, and, and, and he did do a good job of it yesterday. But generally speaking at these things, what I want is a short update on what the hell is going on and then leave me alone for the rest of the day. That's what I want. And I, it, you know, this winds up being such a big show and spectacle, largely because that's what the media wants it to be. But I could really, I could, I could really pass on it. I, I don't need any more of it. I've had my fill. Yeah. All right. Let us know what you think. You can go to The Blaze's Twitter. That is at The Blaze. Gentlemen, thank you for being here, especially Steve. Thank you for taking the time all the way that uh, how, how many feet? Six, six thousand. We're at least six thousand feet. At least six thousand. <laughs> well, yes. you, you never can be too careful. Uh, don't forget, you can find Steve Dace on Blaze TV, The Steve Dace Show, along with Stu Bergier, Stu Does America. We'll see you guys tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the news and why it matters. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you'd like to watch the program, become a Blaze TV subscriber and start your free trial now at blazetv.com.